0: You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jeffersontown Bible Church in Jeffersontown, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. So pulling our thoughts together <laughs> as we look at the, the aspect of being a witness for Christ in our lifestyle, both are necessary. And it's not a matter of one or the other. In God's purposes and in the Spirit's purposes, both work together. They complement one another. Both are necessary. To have the message without the lifestyle undermines the credibility of the message. To have the lifestyle without the message means that the, the content of the faith is not being communicated. Both are necessary. Uh, I stress that because it's, it's not an either or for us. As witnesses of Jesus Christ, it's a both and. And so, as we look at this, while we stress the importance of the content of the message, the message itself, uh, equal to that is the lifestyle, living the lifestyle of one who has been transformed and is being transformed by the gospel. And again, the apostles did not lay out their exhortations and training of first century believers in a 10 step plan a uh, four-part series on witnessing, uh, that type of approach. It's just as they communicated the truth and communicated the priorities, they just did it in the context of their interaction, of their relationship. So that's what we pick up as we move through the New Testament. Uh, It's not a section that says, hey, this section deals with witnessing. Here are five points that I want you to get as we go through witnessing and you read an epistle that has something of that communicated there. No, it's just woven throughout uh, the, the epistles and the writings. And so we have to read it that way and understand it that way. So now he's talking to the Philippians and he uh, speaks to them in this letter, in this section, and says, holding fast the word of life. Now that gets to lifestyle, not in particular ways, but saying, hey, you hold fast to the word of life. Uh, you hold fast to the word of God. Uh, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. The intention of proclaiming justification by faith is that people come to Christ and trust Him and Him alone for salvation. That is the initial working of God that continues in on then to sanctification. And that's what Paul is really getting to without using those words. He's saying so that in the day of Christ... I may with you uh, see that I have not run in vain to no end or labored in vain because the purpose of the gospel is to transform lives, and it always does. It's not that it is the purpose of God and He hopefully gets that accomplished. Someone who has truly embraced the gospel, their life has been transformed and will continue to be transformed and so we're always transforming because the ultimate goal of the transforming work of the gospel is to fully conform us to the image of Christ. And I can say for myself, and I can say equally for you, you're not there yet, and I'm not there yet. <laughs> Anybody disagree? <laughs> and so you know, what Paul is saying here is hold fast to the word of life. Continue in the word of God. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. If what I am experiencing, God is using to increase your growth, to increase your comprehension and grasp and practice of the faith, he says, I'm glad. So he wasn't focused on the circumstances. He was focused on the heart. He was focused on the attitudes. He was focused on the perspective that they had as they processed not only Paul's difficulties, but their own. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul's in prison and he says, I'm glad. And he says, as you encounter difficulties, be glad and rejoice with me. God's using them. That's a transformative way of thinking. That's a transformative way attitude change that God brings into our lives through Christ Jesus. And it is a display of the power of the gospel. Not a superficial, just psychological trick type of thing. All right, I'm going I'm to focus on being glad. I'm going to focus on being positive because that's going to help me feel better than I feel now. <laughs> it's not a psychological thing. It's not a psychological trick. It is true transformation. So Paul says, I'm glad you be glad and rejoice with me. Philippians 4, here at the end of the letter, and we have two ladies who had some issues in the church. They were not getting along. Two godly women. Paul identifies them by name. That doesn't happen too often where Paul identifies um, people by name in in this sort of a way. Um, You you find it at the end of the letters where he's saying, greet so and so, greet so and so. Typically, he doesn't identify individuals and address them like this as he is with the Philippians. But two dear ladies in the church, two dear believers, but can you believe it, some first century believers, evangelized by the apostles and their team, had conflict. Can you imagine that? I mean, they were evangelized by the apostles and taught by the apostles and their team. It's, certainly they they would not have relationship issues. Certainly they wouldn't let something come between them in, in their relationship as followers of Christ. There wouldn't be conflict absent. They would know how to handle it, do it at the first hint of any conflict, handle it perfectly, follow all the steps, and there wouldn't be these issues. We get these I think, distorted views of first century Christians. They were sinners saved by grace, just as we are. They were people of like passion, just as we are. They had to apply the truth to the context of their lives, just like we do. And they did it imperfectly, just like we do. And there are times where they needed to be uh, corrected, just like we do. And Iodia and Syntyche was one of those situations. But this deals with lifestyle. This deals with witness. This deals with testimony. It, it's, it's tied into that. So he says, I implore Yodia and I implore Syntiki to be of the same mind, to embrace the same thinking. So they were not thinking correctly. I don't know what their thinking was. I don't know what the problem was. We're not told. But it resulted in conflict between them, interpersonal conflict, and they both had their own way of thinking about it. So we, it's safe to assume that they both had justified their positions. Justified themselves in whatever positions they were holding. That they were okay to have this attitude toward one another. And Paul says, first of all, I implore you to have the same mind in the Lord. Bring your thinking in line with the Lord and what he says. Put your thinking as it pertains to this issue, off to the side and embrace the same thinking. If you have the same thinking, that's going to what? Bring you to the same mind, the same conclusion, the same direction. And so that's very practical. As believers, we are to seek to embrace the mind of the Lord. That is what gives us unity, and the mind of the Lord is recorded for us here in His Word. So that's where he begins. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. (coughs) With Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So he says to these ladies, set your attitudes aside. And if it was two men, he'd say the same thing to the men. Your, your thinking is not correct here because it's not in line with what God thinks and what God says. So let's start there. Set aside your justifications and say, okay, Lord, how am I to process this? How am I to think about this according to what you say? And that will bring us to Unity. And uh, they had labored with him in the gospel. So this was impacting not only the, the fellowship in the church, their relationship personally in the wider context of the church family, but it was affecting their testimony of the gospel. So we, we cannot justify not dealing with conflict in the body of Christ interpersonal conflict we can't just brush it aside and say well some people just rub me the wrong way and that's just the way it's going to be and uh and leave it there because that's not of god that's of me that's of you that's of larry that's a view That's say that's that's the flesh And all of this goes in. does the gospel transform us or not? Is the gospel greater than these interpersonal conflicts or not? And if it isn't, then <laughs> what are we talking about? I mean, the gospel is, is not limited to what some would you know, refer to as fire insurance. It's not that God says, bottom line is this, I, I just don't want to see you going to hell, and if you, it, as long as you come to Christ and you're not going to hell, that, that's, that's the bottom line. Anything beyond that is icing on the cake. If you don't want any icing on your cake, that's fine with me, but at least you're not going to hell. Some people bring across the gospel, bring across uh, the saving work of God in that way. And it's not, God doesn't Work in an irreducible minimum like that. He brings salvation into our lives through the gospel, to transform us completely. That ultimately culminates with the very transformation of these bodies, these bodies that have a shelf life, and uh, and these bodies are going to be. Trans- that's all part of the gospel. It's all about transformation and it needs to be about transformation because our souls are under the curse of sin, corrupted by sin. These bodies are under the curse of sin and will die. The gospel is all about transformation, complete transformation, transformation of interpersonal relationships within the body of Christ. So if somebody's Rubbing me, rubbing you the wrong way. They're probably rubbing my flesh and your flesh in the wrong way. <laughs> That's what the bottom line comes down to. So here's these two ladies. And uh, he says, let's, let's begin to get this on track. Get your thinking aligned with the Lord. Get your mind where it needs to be. And then our behavior, our choices follow what we think. Okay. So then he goes on to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, that is not a superficial psychological pill that he's throwing out there. That's about transformation. That's a choice we make. Rejoice in the Lord always. A couple passages ago, a couple weeks ago, we read... Paul saying earlier, do everything without does anybody remember that next word? Disputing. Huh? Disputing. Disputing, complaining, grumbling. And the contrast to that is rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Why? Because He's sovereign. And He's providentially working in our lives. Neither that's true or it isn't. There's no halfway on that. And everything that we encounter in this life, God is sovereignly and providentially working. And for that reason alone, we can always rejoice because we know that the living God is working in ways that we do not understand at the moment and that typically might not generate a rejoicing attitude and a rejoicing spirit, but because we know that our God is providentially and sovereignly working We can rejoice. Always. And he says, and again, I will say what? So it's kind of like he's wanting to get a point across. (laughs) Rejoice. Let your gentleness be be, uh, known to all men. So believers are to be known among other things for what? Gentleness, so we don't get in your face and let you know that you're wrong. I'm a committed Christian, and I don't stand for that. Don't you tell me to take a chill pill. Get it out, get it out. Some people would say that. And you know, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. might say, well, that's just my personality. Well, then you have a fleshly personality. The gospel transforms that. Let your gentleness be known to all men in the context of dealing with Yodi and Syntyche who were butting heads For whatever reason, it doesn't matter. People butt heads for a wide variety of reasons. Let your gentleness be known to all. That's lifestyle, isn't it? That's attitude, isn't it? That's choice, isn't it? The Lord is at hand. Meaning that our accountability is at hand, but also the Lord is at hand to enable us, to strengthen us. Be anxious for nothing. Anybody come to church this morning anxious about anything? I'm not asking you to volunteer. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been anxious about anything this past week? It's very possible that uh, even today, oh, she has her hand up. (laughs) she's anxious (laughs) be anxious for nothing that's the circumstances that we encounter in life that's the situations that that we inevitably walk through and into be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication so there's a means here prayer and supplication go to God in prayer for those situations that can generate anxiety and anxiousness Paul says do this go talk to God because that's what prayer is talk to God in all kinds of prayer all kinds of ways and as you read through scripture it is amazing the different ways that men and women talk to God on the recorded pages of scripture that's very insightful It will open up our prayer life. We need to talk to God in a realistic way. And uh, by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving. Why? Because God, again, is sovereign, and He works providentially all things in our lives, working everything together for good. Let your requests be made known to God. That is how we handle anxiousness. Go to God. That's, that's lifestyle. Okay? All of this is, is part of our witness. Because if this is increasingly characterizing our lives, these, the implementing of the faith of the gospel into our lives, then that generates the, the potential for the question that Peter speaks of, that if any man asks for you regarding the hope that you have within you, be ready to give and answer. Lifestyle. Transform lifestyle. Now we go on Philippians later in the chapter. Now you Philippians know that also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now Paul doesn't say why and he doesn't necessarily take the other churches to task. But here he's saying you as a church family You took of your assets, you took of whatever it was that generated, we would call today, financial support, whether it was sending some goods and materials or uh, along with some money, whatever it was. They they took of what they had to minister to Paul and his ministry team as they were engaged in taking the gospel to different cities, to different parts of the Roman Empire. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. That's lifestyle, what we do with our money, how we invest our money. Not that I seek the gift. Paul says, I'm, I'm not after the financial end. If he was, he probably would have been the most wealthy teacher, apostle, Christian ever, far outstripping any of the current um, money-mongering uh, evangelical i shouldn't say evangelical but the, the pastors who are in the system to generate a huge financial empire paul could have generated a huge financial empire more than likely but he says it's not about the gift but i seek the fruit that abounds to your account the fruit that comes from god to you because you're investing yourself into the gospel And in this particular way, he says, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus this thing sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma. That's how he describes it. This is a sweet smelling aroma to God, using some Old Testament uh, metaphors there of sacrifices to God as a sweet smelling aroma. And he says, this is what your sacrifice on part of the gospel is. It's a sweet smelling aroma to God. An acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. And as we stated uh, last week, where we spend our money is a statement of our lifestyle. And if we spend very little of any pertaining to the gospel, pertaining to the Lord, then that's a statement of our lifestyle. Colossians, now we move on to the Colossians. So what does Paul say to the Colossians? Walk peripot. It's not peripotato. Peripateo. The course, the manner of your life. That's what walk is. May the course, the manner of your life, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside meaning those who don't know Christ, those who have not come to faith in Christ, those who are outside of Christ. Walk in wisdom toward them. That's teaching about lifestyle, how we interact with those who do not know Christ. Redeeming the time. One, we only have X amount of time in this life. Just in a most broad statement, even if we live 80, 90, 100 years We just have X amount of time. But we're not guaranteed even that long. And then with that time, what do we do with that time? And then especially having come to Christ, what do we do with the time that we now have as followers of Jesus Christ? Paul says, let's be redeeming it. Let's be using the the time that we have in our life to make it count for the Lord. And an important way of doing that is intentionally living the life, the lifestyle that we're called to in Christ Jesus. It gets very practical. Let your speech, most of the time, except when you're justified to let somebody have it, always be seasoned with salt or with grace. Always be with grace. So there's a loophole there. Right? Most of the time. And unless it's a, a if there's an issue that, the, you know, you and your colleagues or others say are really, really important, that's a loophole. You can let people have it. And when you're talking to them, when you're on Facebook, when you're on twitter when you're on whatever there are some loopholes to this right Are are, there are some loopholes to having our grace our our speech be with grace is that right what what why would that not be right what what about that huh always you mean that that doesn't allow for some loopholes Isn't that lifestyle? (laughs) God says this, my child, and I'm, in the spirit of God, is working to transform you. The tongue, which is the most difficult organ in our body to control. The tongue, as James said, can be used by God for incredible good. Or the tongue Can be used by the world, the flesh, and the devil for incredible evil. A characteristic of a life that is being transformed is our tongue. Our tongue. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. So salt is good. (laughs) No matter what the cardiologists say, it's good. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) That's not what it's talking about. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's what it gets down to. Keep your tongue under control, because when it gets out of control, then we just start saying, more outlandish things, or we box ourselves in the corner, or we find ourselves defending stuff that we ought not to be defending. Season with salt. Keep. That's lifestyle. That's important to our witness. Tasteful. Salt seasoning is a salt and it brings out the, the rich flavor the good flavor and so when he's talking about our speech he was saying that our speech needs to be such that it is uh, flavored by the grace of God that it's more and more representing that and of course we, we find did somebody have their hand up okay we'll get to you in a second um We find how to speak, the attitude, the disposition with which to speak in God's word, from God's word, um, in a variety of ways. And so it's talking about how we speak to others. And here he's talking about those who are on the outside. Those liberals that get under our skin. Or whoever. Did that help? Grace. I can understand that right. very well. Seasoned with salt, uh, it just seems like there's some bounds or something specific that I'm not understanding about. I understand always be a Christian, always guard your speech, mm-hmm. uh, be, be graceful. Be mm-hmm. seasoned with salt, it, it's, you know, you're adding something that I'm quite not getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah using too much on the term. well the the flavor uh, specifically of yeah saying something that i'm not understanding i understand the first part of the sentence and right. a comma and another comma uh, yeah. and it's talking about the, the flavor the 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 tone uh, of our speech in part um at least it covers tone how we communicate uh, that it's seasoned with salt it's, flavorful. it's uh, and, and that flavor is governed by what we encounter in God's word, um, as it pertains to how we talk. Uh, and so, speech always with grace, substance, content. So salt to me, you know, it, it obviously enhances. Yes. Uh, you know, salt specifically enhances mm-hmm. the, what it seasons. Yes. yeah well, for one thing speaking it's a very good question It's a good thing to to uh give continued thought to, but obviously speaking graciously is uh grace there is speaking of substance, but also seasoned with salt is speaking graciously that's a component of it, so that's a start that's there's more to explore there on that um, and and so that that's where I would begin is is make sure that how we communicate is, is in a gracious, uh, respectful manner as we talk uh, with those who are on the outside. That would be true for those on the inside, too. It doesn't mean that you can talk however you want to, the fellow believers, but at those on the outside. <laughs> uh, hold on a second, Ruth, I want to get to Mark. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, and see that that's that gracious park It, uh, that's a component of it. I wouldn't tie it all in with that, but yes. And but also, you know, it's talking about here in context those on the outside. That was believer to believer, and and but that still applies. But see, Paul is saying those who are on the outside walk in wisdom to those who are on the outside who do not know Christ, and a very important part of our in, uh, witness and and the indication of. Of the gospel in our life is as we interact with them that we are speaking with grace and graciously and sometimes it will be say, hey no you know that is not correct um but the manner in which we do it that's what paul is getting at when he says season with salt how we communicate something that's an error or something that is not correct or something that is a wrong assumption um Instead of a fleshly way of of reacting, a graciousness to it, even though it's confronting it. Um. Okay. Yes. Okay, I'm going to repeat that so that people all over the world can hear what Ruth is saying. Because this gets recorded. So Ruth has said that we are to be the salt of the earth. Ruth was pointing out that we are the salt of the earth and that um, in, in living the salt of the earth, that we, um, that we should, our lifestyle, our speech, our lifestyle should be such that people want to be around us. In other words, they're not turned off by how ungraciousness, whether it's in speech or whether it's in our conduct. Um, that's not meaning that we compromise the truth but that that there's a graciousness about it where people can see that hey we disagree or we are you know here in our beliefs etc but there's an attraction there a flavor there about us because of the grace of god that attracts them and and so all of those components are part of that. There's, there's more to this that, that we could spend time on. So I don't want to intimate that, you know, the things that we've talked about this morning, which are all good, is a sum total of what Paul's getting at here. But definitely part of it. We're to be gracious people. And even as we represent the truth, there's a graciousness about it. And truth is going to be contrary to, you know, to that which is false, that which is an error. And, but how we interact with that is, is vitally important, seasoned with salt. Greg. yeah yeah and so yeah that paul includes that component in there: walk in wisdom the wisdom obviously of god and of god's word communicated in a gracious manner um and of course you know season with salt so you know seasoning is something that that is a positive that adds to it and it's not talking about just positive speech all the time but our 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 How we talk, how we communicate, not just the words, but the tone, the demeanor, uh, the attitude, uh, is to be seasoned with the salt of God's word, the seasoned with the salt of God's grace, seasoned with the salt of God's wisdom, so that we are under the control of the Spirit, but communicating truth, not under the control of the flesh. Um, And I'll close with this. I I used this uh, illustration a few weeks ago, but uh, picked up a guy one day who operates his own barbecue business, and it's a big business here in town. I can't tell you the name of it right now, Um, but I picked him up, and apparently he made really good money because he lived in a really nice house, and they had, you know, nice cars out in the driveway. I don't know why he was calling the Uber driver, but he did. (laughs) So I picked him up, and so we were talking, and Um, talking about his business and i said "Well, well what what kind of flavors seasonings do you use to you know make your your barbecue he says i i don't use those seasonings and sauces and so forth." i said well what do you use and he says salt he flavors it with salt and that brings, that just adds the flavor. That's, and obviously, a lot of people like it because he's living high on the hog, so to speak. Pun intended. <laughs> that just, in my mind, helps illustrate that as I talk to people, I want what I say, substance, and how I say it, and attitude with which I say it, to be seasoned not with Larry Duncan's flesh, but with Larry Duncan's new nature, the new creature that I am, with the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the truth of God, communicated in a gracious, loving spirit, that even though while it will confront, it's not going to be a in-your-face, ram-it-down-your-throat type of an attitude, especially to those who are on the outside. So it's good that we're interacting about this because this is an important part of our witness, how we come across. Um, So we'll leave it there and pick it up from there, Lord willing, next week, and uh, go enjoy some salt. (laughs) This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.